Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. It is I, Michelle Maros, your co-host, and I am here with Barbara, Peaceful Barb. Hi, Do you Michelle. know best today? <laughs> Hi. How are Hi. you, Michelle? And how uh, is everyone out there? Evading that Hello. question. Well, you know, some days when you, when you say, <laughs> I, I love the Barb Knows. No, I, let me. She's the master um, changer of the subjects. Deflector. Deflector. And then <laughs> no. you just got a bird's eye view of it. The idea of Barb Knows Best is, we, we really should even do a part of an episode on that. The idea of that is that if we can live in the present moment, we all know what's best for us in that given moment. It may not end up with the result that we want, but then we can start to become the master of our own lives, the boss of our own lives. And I think that was the whole idea behind Barb Knows Best is if you practice and you really understand that you can learn and grow and become the best version of yourself, the more you take in the teachings of the world, you kind of feel like, you know, you know best in the morning, in the morning. <laughs> I do know best in the morning as opposed to the afternoon, but no, you just kind of know. You have a deep knowing and, you know, you're not attached to the outcome, but you just have a good confidence in yourself. So that was a long question. With long- no answer. It was. You you should own that we titled this podcast, Barb Knows Best, because I do believe that most of the time you are tapped in to what is best as my mother. Yes, that is really beautiful. So say, take the compliment. I will. I will own it. Barb Knows Best. Own the compliment. Own your accomplishments. Thank you, Foots. That's my nickname for her, Foots. Oh, we have not. They didn't know that. No. Wow. Thank you, Foots. So yes, she calls me Foots. Yeah, you want to explain it? I guess we should now. Yeah, you have to. Um, For my whole life, she would call me Toots, like Tootsie. I like that movie, Tootsie. But it wasn't from the movie. No, but I think it just, no, it wasn't from the movie. You're right. But then when I, I was calling you that before the movie. And then when I saw the movie, I thought, oh, this is really cool. So she would call me Toots, Tootsie, Toots for short. (laughs) And um, one day when I was in college, she was texting me, you know, like, hello, foot, hello, toots, and didn't have her glasses on and accidentally wrote hello, foots. And at the time, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. And it stuck. Yeah. It's foots now. Here we are. And it's 18 funny. years later. Oh, God. I know. Can you believe that? That's that's not nice. 17 do. years that's, later. That's too much. We don't have to put a number on it's that. Still, it's still with us. That's not nice. Um, but what's funny about that is... I have, through every chapter and season of my life, many people have picked up on the foots. So, you know, like my my very good friend who I used to work with will be like, how's foots? Because it, it goes back and forth. You call me foots, I call you foots. It's, yeah. it's a thing. So uh, 
they always say, how's Foots? Our friends here say, Foots. So it's cute. It's quite funny. And it's cute. now you know, yes. I am Foots. So um, we have a good topic for everyone today. Uh, yeah, I think so. A necessary <laughs> one as we close out this year. And I feel like we're closing out. I mean, I know that I know it's that only October. No, yeah, October, November. Within the last quarter, we're getting to the last quarter. No, we are in the last quarter, and we're getting to the end of the year. And it's time to really start with the if you're if you're not a person that reflects a lot, it's time to just start looking back. And I think having come out of several years of the pandemic, it's been difficult. Most people would say this has been one of the more difficult periods in life, and so I feel that this is up for people, which we say all the time, because that's what we talk about. We're always trying to be in alignment and in tune with what, what is all happening for people. And so this is really up, I think, of how we can start to have some love and care for ourselves. So I think this is a really good time to talk yeah. about. Well, I was thinking about you recently. We were we had a, a function that we were at recently and we were talking about you and you've really had quite a year. I have. Um, like I, somehow I had sort of forgotten that in this year, you know, you lost Ellie and now most recently I've talked about going through this divorce. And those are two very large life changes and very um, loaded with emotions. And it's a lot. And the reason that we wanted to talk about what we're going to talk about today, I think is, is because life has been so much for so many of us, you know, you're not the only one who's had difficulty. Like you said, these years of pandemic and just a lot of upheaval in so many aspects of our lives and loss and grief and disappointment and just everything that goes along with life. And so we wanted to give a little antidote or what we believe to be an antidote to some of these feelings, or just to kind of help everyone cut themselves some slack during these difficult periods of life with the practice of self-compassion. Oh dear. We've never done that before. (laughs) (laughs) So cute. I have to say it's been a very long, weird week. So we're in a silly, goofy mood today, but I love that. Yeah, it's really good. Because I would go out on a limb just to follow up with what you just said and say that I would bet that every single person on the planet at some point, in the, especially in the past couple of years, can identify with a period of suffering that we've suffering had. Suffering is the human constant. I mean, it it's is. universal. I mean, and it's really good to name universal. it. And what you just said about, yes, it's been a really difficult year for me. And so it's good to name that I've had many periods of suffering, of sadness, of loss, of of just suffering. And so I love the fact that we're going to talk about self-compassion because for me, especially as I've noticed coming into the second half of this year, it's been crucial. Right. It's really saved my life, my practice of being able to be my own best ally or my own best friend or know, wow, Barb, you're really suffering right now. So we'll get into that. But it really can save your life. The idea if you really can become self, if you really can, can become compassionate with yourself is crucial. Yeah. I mean, I I think that self-compassion is an antidote to suffering and it is a truth that no one gets through life unscathed without suffering. Suffering will come to us 
at some point in our lives. And for a lot of us, it's, it's quite often, you know, I don't think any of us can go through life without feeling these deep pains and these deep losses and difficulty. It's just simply a part of life. And anyone who thinks that they can just get rid of suffering or somehow elevate their, their mental status to avoid suffering, it's just not, it's not possible. So, you know, self-compassion, compassion for yourself, compassion for others, and just embodying that notion of compassion can help to alleviate the symptoms of suffering. And let me just add a little, a little something to that for everyone. This is not easy because no one talks about this. We don't talk about our own suffering. We don't talk about it is okay to be okay with what you're feeling, to sit in the suffering because it doesn't feel comfortable for us. It doesn't feel comfortable to sit and say to ourselves, and I've done this often this past year, Barb, you're really sad right now. You're, I'm feeling really sad right now. I feel like I'm ready to, you know, like I'm ready to lose it, but I'm not losing it, but I'm just feeling at my wits end or whatever it is that I'm feeling. We're not comfortable sitting in that feeling and to actually allow ourselves to name it and then to feel it. And I think we've had an episode on that where if you, you know, when an emotion comes up, if you name it and you feel it and allow yourself to be with it, it truly most often dissipates fairly quickly. It doesn't mean that the feeling goes away for good or that we're still not having some sadness, but we're not feeling the extreme emotion of maybe this suffering. So I think it's really important, this conversation, because I don't feel like we give enough attention to it. And today we're actually giving you all permission to start being compassionate for yourselves like you would any other friend or someone that matters deeply in your life that you would be there for them, offering some compassion and a listening, gentle ear. Absolutely. And so, you know, if you look up what compassion even means from a dictionary standpoint, it, it literally means to suffer together, which is kind of a beautiful definition because it it sums up everything we just said. We all suffer. We all will experience um, difficulty in our lives. And the act, because it, in the definition, it goes on to say that compassion is an active word the act of suffering together, to understand the suffering together, to be in that same boat, so to speak, is is really a powerful definition. And what a powerful concept to know that regardless of anything else that's happening in your life, knowing that you're not alone in the idea of suffering. And so compassion is that knowing that you're not alone and that we can be in this same boat of difficulty together and understanding together and holding space for each other in our different periods of suffering. And I love that, Michelle. And I love the, the added part of that definition is that the feeling that arises when you're confronted with another person's suffering. Thinking about this for a moment, everyone, when, when, you're, when, you, when you're with a friend or a loved one, or whoever that might be who is suffering and you can feel that they are suffering, what happens inside of us? I know I can say for myself, I get motivated inside of me to help relieve it, to be a good listener or to ask anything that I can do for you, or I'm really sorry. We just get motivated to take some kind of an action. And I think that really is profound to me because when we are suffering, 
Are we motivated to take an action? Okay, Barb, what do you need right now in your suffering? It's because because self-compassion isn't passive. It's not passive and compassion's not passive. It's strong. It's powerful. It's, it's meaningful. It's not pity. And for self-compassion, it's not self-pity. It's really a strong, powerful word with compassion. We we're motivated to act in some way. And, and an action can be just listening and just being there, as you said, being in the space. So can we be in the space of our own suffering as well? Absolutely. And what came up for me when you were talking just now is if I had to, to give an example of something that elicits really strong compassion from me, if, if someone was like, I just don't understand that feeling. The first thing that came to my mind was, you know, when you see those commercials on TV for, you know, help the animals, you know, the animals that are you know, humane society, humane society or rescue, you know, and it's a sad song and it's like, please help us save the animals. And you're like, you get that pang of like, oh my gosh, I want to do anything I can to save these sad animals. So to me, that's like the epitome of compassion. You see that suffering and you are urged to take an action. But what's interesting is I know some people who see things like that and don't feel who aren't tapped into that compassion. And as you were talking, I was kind of digging down into it. And I think the reason why so many of us are disconnected from compassion is because like you were saying, they've also disconnected from their feelings. So they haven't let themselves feel the feelings of their own suffering. You know, they've pushed it down. They've bypassed it because they can't let themselves feel. So it's not even necessarily possible for them to garner that same response when they see it from someone else. And so really the um, feeling the feelings and tapping into yourself and understanding and recognizing what's happening for you, the suffering that you're experiencing and not pushing it down is really how we can start to garner compassion in general. I just was trying to think like, to me, I'm an empath. I would, you know, label myself that I, I take on a lot of people's emotions. So when I, when I think of people who are like, I don't necessarily feel compassion. And I often wonder like, well, how, because it just seems so second, second nature to me, no judgment. But I, I think that might be a key to it is just not being in touch with your feelings. Well, I think too, if you, and I think this is a good, you know, setup for what we're talking about with self-compassion. It's really, you're in touch with your feelings for yourself as well. So I think that's why we're having this conversation today. And I think it was, I can't remember who said this, but compassion that doesn't include ourselves is incomplete. I think I said that. Okay, Michelle. Said, I, I think it might have been forgiveness that doesn't include ourselves is incomplete, but so fill com- in the blank. Yeah, compassion that doesn't include ourselves is incomplete. So it might be difficult to have that kind of compassion or to even notice it. And often, uh, uh, let's just be honest, we're so busy all the time. Sometimes we're not even we're not even tapped in what's happening for around us, happening around us. So that's why I said the people that we love the most, or the friends that we have the most, or the people that matter to us the most it's sometimes easier to tap into compassion for them and to their suffering and to want to alleviate it and take some kind of an action. Well, certainly we are quick to get involved in helping other people's suffering. I'm always like, what can I do to save the yes. animals when or I see or those any, commercials? Yeah. Or if you're having a hard time, I want to fi- you know, fix, and which we're going to get into. Um, or at least you want to be here because you were there for me so fully, you know, when Ellie was in her last days and weeks. 
So it's really important that the premise maybe of this talk today is compassion is incomplete unless it includes ourselves. So we want to get into- It's how hard do we... for us to turn that back on ourselves. Well, and that's why we want to get into today. I exactly. know. We want to get into today. <laughs> well, I think what's so cool about this is you, you don't have to be born with self-compassion. You don't have to have already have that feeling like you're an empath. If you're not an empath out there, you don't have to be born like that. I think you were born like that. You always- we're in touch with your feelings. And I will say empath so, is not necessarily better because it's like you feel too much sometimes. Yeah, nothing is, uh, everything, everything. Well, I just was saying right. I'm not, I wasn't born like, better than, better than everyone because yeah. somehow I feel more. Exactly. I was just giving a caveat. I That's don't true. think that I'm better. I, in fact, sometimes feeling everything all the time is a lot. But it's harder for us to extend the compassion back to ourselves. It's easier for us to see suffering of others and say, hey, what can I do to help? And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about what we believe is the path to self-compassion. And even the concept of self-compassion is still relatively new in the sphere of how people are talking about it. You know, Dr. Kristen Neff has done a lot of studies on self-compassion and is kind of led the... And I think she also has a center. Yes. A center on About self-compassion. And that was only within the past 20 years. Yeah. You know, that's not even... That's in my lifetime. You've barely been out of college. <laughs> Thank you again <laughs> as, for the as age. We, as we know. The you. age check. And so it's just wild because I don't think we've been equipped to this. And But Dr. Kristen Neff says... With self-compassion, we give ourselves the same kindness and care we'd give to a good friend. So how do we become our own best friend? Which I know we've talked about in other episodes, but thinking about how would you care for a child, your child? How would you care for your parent or someone you care about the most in the world? It's time to start putting it back to yourself as well. It's not a or, but it's an and. I can be compassionate to you and to me. It's not exclusive. And it's crucial if we want to live the beautiful, happy, healthy, meaningful life that we all seek to live. And I was started to say a few minutes ago, and I think I lost my train of thought that- Sorry. The, no, 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 it wasn't you, it was me. The good news is we can learn it. We can, we can take steps. We can start to identify- how can I start being compassionate to myself? What are some of the ways that I can start making this a habit? What are some of the ways that I can understand what I need to take care of myself? So this is kind of the next layer of self-care. You know, self-care, we talk about taking naps and, and saying no when you really mean no and taking a bath or taking care of yourself or taking time out for yourself. Those are all important acts of self-care. We're now going down to a deeper level. How can we actually start giving ourselves compassion like we would any of the other people that we love most in the world. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yes, ma'am. So, we kind of 
drilled this down, we believe that there's four important pillars to guide us to holding compassion for ourselves. So in this episode, we wanted to guide everyone step-by-step through these four pillars and hopefully help you feel like this is something that you can start to add into your life today. It matters. It really matters how we care about ourselves. She looks so serious when she said that. I know because I it I'm matters because I'm it does matter. I am. I'm so worked up a little bit today because I feel like as we're nearing the end of this year and trying to step in to a new year, new, it's really important that we look at ourselves and how do we take the best care of ourselves. So these pillars, I think, are going to be helpful. They're going to be, as yes. you said, guideposts. So so let's get let's into get it. Pillar number one. Just like with everything else we talk about, awareness. Your voice is making me laugh. (laughs) Should we rename this to the awareness podcast? Maybe, but awareness is everything, (laughs) you know, like with everything else in order to make a change or in order to notice that we could actually, you know, feel better about ourselves and feel like we have the energy to live the life that we want to live. We have to be aware of how to do that. We have to start really being you know, honest with ourselves and accepting who we are and stop fighting ourselves. But this idea, you've said this recently, how can we be on our own team? Mm -hmm. How can we think of ourselves as our own teammate? Like Barb, Barb is my teammate. And so the question is, you know, we have to be able to really be aware of what do we need in the moment? And I know when I was suffering, especially when Ellie was dying, I remember I said to myself often, what can I do for myself right now? What do I need right now? Uh, What do I need to be able to bear this sadness right now in this moment and really knowing what I need? And sometimes what I needed was just to sit down and just lie down with her or just to, you know, go up and take a shower in the moment or whatever it is. It's really understanding what do I need that's going to help relieve my suffering in this moment, knowing that it changed, our needs change from moment to moment. But how do we start creating this ability to accept ourselves in the moment especially in cases where we need to be compassionate for ourselves. And I think what happened for me in in this whole process was I'm a perfectionist and I've spent my lifetime, especially the past 38 years with the practice that I have, trying to look at this idea that perfection isn't even possible. So Barb, being a perfectionist, you're setting yourself up for failure. So when this was happening with Ellie or just everything I've gone through this year, I've really thought about what can I do in this moment that's going to help relieve me? And it's going to be good enough. You know, perfect's not possible. Yeah, and that is the awareness that we're talking about. You know, you have to, you can't make any change without knowing that you need to, to make a change. You can't do something differently without knowing that you need to do something differently, which is why we often start off with awareness in any of these topics because... <clears throat> Aware. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Awareness is the first step to change. And so knowing where, where you are and where you want to go, what you need to, what you want to do differently is that first step. And how can we know if we don't, if we're not aware? And like you said, this is, this is the start to self-compassion, asking ourselves, what do I need right now? What's up for me right now? How can I relieve my own suffering? And just, you know, asking yourself those questions to get aware, to gain awareness, to gain clarity. Um, it's 
It's incredibly important. We are the most important person in our own lives. And it's incredibly important. And I think that that's where we're going with this, that self-compassion has to be like the number one thing that we really start extending for ourselves. So yeah, I think, but it's, it's difficult. It's hard to, it's hard to think about how do we want to change in certain situations. And I think where I get hooked up is the second pillar that we have. Well, I would just wanted to say with awareness, it's, it's being honest with yourself and accepting yourself for where you are, but also understanding and knowing necessarily where you want to be. So we're not saying that if, if you're resonating with this, like you haven't extended yourself compassion or grace or understanding to beat yourself up because you're not there yet. It's just knowing, accepting and understanding where you want to go. And that it can be available to you. Right. I think that was, it was really, really prominent for me back when Ellie was sick. And I keep bringing that up because it was just really prominent. I thought, wow, I, if, if this were my best friend going through this, I would be like all in seeing what I could do and just listening. And I was thinking, wow, I need to start offering this for myself. I need to take care of myself. So it's really, imp- I, hope we're, I hope we're presenting this to you of how important it is to have care and compassion for yourself and that it's possible. But Indeed. I think what, and I think that's the second pillar though, that can kind of stop some of us, or it, it, it certainly was one for me, I think. So, so pillar number two is patience. Which is difficult, right? How much, how, how much, how much it, time? It is difficult, isn't it? For someone. <laughs> I can be impatient. <laughs> how much time do we lose in, the idea of impatience makes us makes us use up more time. And I think how much time do we lose? Well, thinking, thinking about that you don't have enough time is wasting time. Exactly. And how much time do we lose thinking that we have to be on someone else's timeline or that we're not good enough or we're not fast enough or we're not doing things right that enough. you should have known it before. I should have known it before. And I think you've done many blogs about this this topic of our lives are our own unique timeline. And the idea that the universe, society, other people have it, have the, are in the know and have it, and that we have to follow the timeline that whatever, that media or the society tells us is really detrimental to our own, you know, success and our own happiness. Well, look, I, you know, there's billions of people in this world. We all have unique backgrounds, circumstances environments, histories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In my opinion, it's ludicrous to think that every billion of people could have the same life path or life timeline that, that society likes to make us think, you know, you do this, 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 tick, 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 you're done. I just think that that's insanity. And I've experienced it in my own life of feeling the pressure of the societal timeline. And it's when you think about it, when you actually take that space to think about what it means of a being pressured by some conceived notion of what society thinks you should be doing or be having or have accomplished by a specific arbitrary period of time is madness because we all have unique circumstances and purposes and interests and skills and qualities and wants and desires. So I just think the sooner that we can own that we have our unique timelines 
and take ourselves off the hamster wheel of feeling like we have to, to be somewhere quickly. And that somewhere is like, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about today, self-compassion. But understanding that things are unfolding for you in your timing. Like you and I are on different timings, even though our paths, you know, coincide often, they also go on their own way. So this has been such a big lesson for me. Maybe it's why I sound so impassioned about it, but you just got to let the timeline go and you have to adopt the feeling of patience, but also perseverance. You got to keep moving forward, but don't be hard on yourself when you're not going the pace that you think you should be going. Beautifully said. And that's why patience is the second pillar, because I think it patience is one of the roadblocks that we have. So we have to begin to, because what, what patience, but what being impatient and thinking that we're, we're not there and we're not enough and we need to, we need, we've, we waste a time or we pat, I had someone say to me the other day when I was talking to them about, about another situation and she said, Oh, and I think she's probably 20 years younger than I am. So she's probably in her forties. And we were talking and she goes, Oh, it's too late for me to do it all, do everything that you're talking about, but could you help me with my children? And I looked at her and I said, it's never too late for you. I'm 65 years old. It's never too late. Don't, don't have that opinion about yourself because see what happens then. And this is why it's so important for self-compassion. You start comparing yourself. You start judging yourself. That's what impatience and not feeling like you're on your own unique timeline and not trusting the timing of your life does. So it's impossible to have self-compassion if you can't really start to embody what life you're here to lead and knowing you know, what you want and where you want to go. Because she, by the time I was done talking to her, I said, look, the best thing that you can teach your children is let them see you modeling what it is that you would love for them to be able to start to become. Mm-hmm. That is the best way. We become the model that we want for our children. It's the best teacher for our children. So it's never too late. And I think patience leads directly into the third one so beautifully. Well, I was going to say, you know, one of your favorite prayers from one of your favorite Saints, St. Teresa of Avila, um, one of the lines from it is patience obtains all things. Patience attains. Attains. Attains all things. Yeah, perfect. It seemed like the same word to me. Obtains, attains. Yeah, kind of are. Yeah. (laughs) Same difference. (laughs) Anyways, patience attains all things. And for me, that means that, you know, from that first pillar of awareness, knowing what you want, but not pressuring yourself to get there in a certain timeline, having the patience, you will get there. And we can never know when we're going to get quote unquote there, whatever that is. So when you cultivate that leaned back, active lean back of, I know, and I'm taking action, but I'm being patient, you will get there. And that is what leads us into that third pillar because you have to have the Pillar number three of confidence and trust. You have to have that trust that you're doing what you need to do and it's going to be enough. You have to know that you're enough. And through self-compassion, it's knowing who you are, knowing your worth, honoring yourself and knowing that in each moment I'm enough, I'm worthy and I trust. Yes, I think that that's why it's pillar number three, the idea that we can start, when we start having some self-compassion, it builds on when we're starting to develop the habit 
of really caring for ourselves deeply in a way that we can become more confident. We can actually trust, well, we said trust the timing of our life, but we can actually trust our decisions. We can actually trust that this boundary that I just set here is what I need. We actually really start trusting ourselves. And as I said earlier, maybe the outcome won't be what we're looking for sometimes, but we're building that muscle that you always talk about, Michelle. We're building the muscle. We're, we're recreating a habit in our lives. A new groove in the brain. A new groove in the brain where we can actually start being feeling confident. We actually start trusting ourselves. And as you said, knowing what we want, knowing what our worth is, and knowing that we are valuable, that's the practice of self-compassion. Because then in the moment when we're suffering and when we're feeling sad or we're grieving or we're angry or or infuriated or whatever it is, we can actually pause. I think that's when we can trust ourselves enough to wait. I need to take a pause here. I need to... I need to, I need to check in with myself. What's happening for me in the moment, Barb? I say that to me, to to me, I say that to myself all the time. What's happening for you in this moment, Barb? Just that pause and asking yourself what's happening is like 60% of everything. I think just the awareness of it. That's why awareness is always number one. So it's really a beautiful thing. You develop the awareness, you start to have the patience that the timing of your life is your own unique timing. And you're not worried about not being good enough in that moment or not being caught up enough, you start to really develop this self-confidence, mm-hmm. this self-trust, Well, and which is, is practicing self-compassion when you start having this confidence and the trust in yourself. Because well, you're not so hard on yourself. And you're comparing yourself and judging yourself so much. And one of the biggest, most powerful acts, I think, of self-confidence and trust is setting boundaries. You know, knowing what you want and being so convicted in your desires that you will set up parameters to protect it. Yeah. Beautiful. We've talked about boundaries before, I think. We have, but it's, it's important. I mean, I think boundaries, people still think that boundaries are harsh and negative and pushing people away, but it is an act of self-compassion for you to know what's precious and valuable in your life and set up guideposts to protect it in a nice way. You're not saying like, beat it. Don't ever talk to me again. No, boundaries are a self-care practice. And we've talked about that before. So I think it's really important. You know, it's, just, it's always about how to take care of yourself. And so this, this episode of self-compassion is another layer. I love that idea that we're getting deeper into what we need and get stronger and more, 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 actually more loving and trusting of ourselves. So we can actually feel confident stepping into the life that we came here to live. So peeling back the layers of the onion. So So, pillar number four is forgiveness, which is your favorite topic, isn't it? Well, you know, (laughs) forgiveness can be a loaded word for people. It's very loaded for you at present moment. Well, I think forgiveness, because we can't, if you're in a place where that word can be a little bit of a charge, I think I'd like to redefine, not redefine it, but add another definition to what forgiveness is. And really forgiveness is, has to be about allowing yourself to live fully in this moment, becoming this, becoming the person that you're trying to be and not judging yourself for your past. How can we start? Let's, let's not think about that we've got to forgive another person and we have to be okay with another person did or we have to be okay with an episode. Let's really just start looking at what are some of the things that we can forgive ourselves for? And this came up a lot for me with the holiday of Yom Kippur just passing. If you're in the Jewish faith or if you're in the Catholic faith, you know, we go to Jewish faith with Yom Kippur, it's about atoning, 
you know, for the, for the misdeeds and the things that you've done for, as you move into the the new year or with, with um, Catholicism, you know, we go to confession if you're a practicing Catholic to, you know, confess your sins so you can be wiped away. So can we think of something in that realm of how can we truly let ourselves go from anything that we've done that we're sorry for, or that we think uh, we wish that we hadn't said, or that we haven't done. I think so. Self-compassion is that allowing ourselves to stop regretting, learning what it is. And I, I like to think of regret as an awareness tool. How can we start using that regret? Because I think that regret keeps us from being fully present in the moment. Yeah. We're either in the past and mostly in the past, actually. So that's, I'm just, I'm, I'm, ra- I've been really caught up with this, I think because of the, the Jewish holiday, but also just, just that idea. Which was this week. Yeah. Which was this week. Oh, sorry, because we're, this episode's being recorded, but I think it's the idea of awareness and using regret as a tool. And I think it's a huge act of self-compassion with how we treat ourselves with regards to the word regret. And regrets are not negative, actually. They're actually the biggest thing that we can use for ourselves if we can go back and look at understanding that none of us are perfect all the time, perfect perfectionism doesn't exist. So how can we go back and say, none of us are ever going to be perfect. We're going to have mistakes. We're going to have mishaps. We're going to have missteps. We're going to have all those things. We are human beings. So how can we look at all of that, understanding that no one ever has anything going perfectly and let it go? Truly just let it go. So for, you can forget the word forgiveness if you want to just we're going to have frustrations. We're going to have disappointments. How can we just let it go and really, you know, love yourself a pat, not love your past enough to let it all go. It could be 10 years from now. It could have been yesterday. Yeah. And I, I think listening to you talk just now, really the antidote to forgiveness or the gateway to forgiveness is learning from the thing. I think so often maybe we hold on to it because maybe we don't feel like we can trust ourselves to not make the same mistake mistake again or just thinking that we we won't do better. But if we can start to be like, okay, no one gets through life unscathed. Everyone has learning opportunities throughout their lives. You know, I've had a lot of really, I've made a lot of big mistakes that sucked. But I think I'm at a place where I can forgive myself because I do really feel like I've learned from it. And it's that completion of the thing with, with learning. So if you can really get it, like, okay, I see what happened and I see what I need to do differently in the present moment, it does kind of wipe away some of it. Obviously, if there are other people involved, that's a whole other thing. But when we're talking about self-forgiveness, if you can really learn and look back with compassion and love and love your past, like you were saying, it does help us to have peace in the present. Because remember, the present is the only place where you have any power. You can't change anything that happened in the past, whether it be two hours ago or five months ago or 10 years ago. It's done. It's in the books. It's over. And you can't control what's going to happen in the future as much as we'd like to try what we can do and where we have our power is right here in this moment to make a different choice, to do something differently, to hold ourselves in compassion a little bit more and not judge ourselves so harshly so that we are in a different headspace when difficulty comes our way again. 
that's where the power is. And that's to me what forgiveness means. And the self-compassion aspect of forgiveness is just that of, of being less harsh on myself so that I am not already beating myself up to a place where I can't do differently in the future. And I think, you know, another word for forgiveness, letting go. She really doesn't like the word. No, no, no. It could be moving forward. I, I'm trying to help people because I people, it can be really difficult. So that idea of owning our misdeeds, owning, and that's why regret is such a great teacher. It's such a great tool. We can own our misdeeds, what we wish we had done, because this becomes the strength. This becomes the strength for our lives, for our overall well-being and happiness. Because I think what we try to do, the regret keeps us sometimes, regret is our teacher, but it also if we're not able to let go, if we're not able to move forward, as I said, love your past enough to let it go or love your past enough to start moving forward. I think we're trying to, I think we're trying to get rid of the mistake or we're trying to not pay attention to it. And I think we have to feel feel deeply our feelings of failure or grief or upset or whatever is happening for us in the moment, because this is what it means to be human. So if we can actually feel the feelings of whatever it is that's happening, what's causing us to stay stuck or what's causing us not to be able to move forward. I think everything in life is meant to move forward. We got to be in the flow of life. We've got to be able to move forward. So love yourself enough to let it all go. Let yesterday go and step forward into this present moment. Step forward into this day. Stop comparing. Stop judging. Stop trying to fix the past. Really start thinking about how can I trust and love myself completely right now so that I can take the next step forward. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we don't have to see the whole staircase. We don't have to see the stop. We don't, this, the top. We don't have to see all the way to the end of our lives. We just need to take the first step. So that act of forgiveness, the act of letting go, or the act of loving yourself enough to take the next step forward is really what the fourth pillar is all about. And it's the biggest act of self-compassion. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's really important. That was so, good. That was good. Oh, I think we've, I think we have, hopefully we've done a good job of, or not a good job, but a, a really detailed job, I think, of helping you see what self-compassion means and why it is the most important thing in life, really, having that kind of uh, understanding and that good um, connection with yourself. Yeah. Well, it is important, and like we said at the jump, it's not something that we're taught, and it is something that we have to practice, and just like everything else that we talk about on this podcast, it's not always easy when we start, but it gets you know, more and more like second nature, the more we practice, but the practice is up to us. I can't be self-compassionate for you. And I like that exercise that we were talking about, Michelle, the idea of maybe taking a little time. Yeah. What is the exercise? Take a little time with yourself and just maybe make a list of the things that you love about yourself. <laughs> you know, what makes you happy about yourself? What are it some things? It is hard. I, I did this with my friend and he was like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> it's, it's, it, we're not, it's hard for us to, to pinpoint things that we like about ourselves sometimes. I love, love about yourself. Love, What are sorry. some things you love? Well, sorry. Like is like maybe a good gateway to love, but <laughs> love about yourself. It, it really, it would matter a lot if you took a couple minutes of quiet time, maybe before you went to bed or when you wake up in the morning, spend a couple of minutes before you start your day. What are the things that I love about me? Yeah. And then even taking those qualities and making affirmations out of them 
to intercept some of the the negative thinking mm -hmm. that we all know happens in our minds every single day. It's a good tool. And then put it on your mirror like and Barbara does. I do. I write things on my mirror. And on my mirror. And I put do. it in your phone. I do. Put it everywhere. And then the other thing that Michelle and I've talked about a lot, I think I talked about this in the last episode maybe, or maybe a few episodes ago when I came back from that silent retreat in August. Yeah. Is to really take a, make a promise. You could call it a vow. You could call it a commitment, but make a promise to yourself and try this for a week. Whenever your mind starts to compare yourself with another person or do any kind of comparison or judge or fix or think that it can fix or think that it has to judge or think that it needs to compare in order for you to feel okay in this moment, instead of engaging in that thought, come up with a really beautiful affirmation. So what I, what I do when my mind starts to want to judge or starts to want to compare or starts to want to fix something, especially fix something that's happened in the past because you know you, you, you can't change the past. You can only move forward and what do I need to do now is I will stop. And instead of gauge, engaging that thought and having a conversation with it, I'll just say, Barb, all is well in this moment. So maybe come up with some little affirmation that you can bring your mind back to the present moment. And try that for a week and see if that doesn't really give you a profound entryway into, wow, my mind is really trying to compare, fix, and judge. And when I'm looking at being in this present moment, I feel so much calmer. I feel so much more patient. I feel so much more aware. Yeah, perhaps everyone can take this vow this week and practice it and let us know how it goes for them Yeah, in the week to come. Um. It is, when you sit back and think about it, it is, it's fascinating how quickly we jump into those, those things. So it's, it's a good practice. Beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. Well, hopefully this, this conversation can help you start to feel like you have the tools to incorporate self-compassion into your lives. Hopefully we've convinced you it's important, <laughs> but it's hard. It's not always it's easy. Important. Yeah. It's, you know, bit by bit, yes. um, Maybe recap the four pillars like you always sure, do. Sure. Let's recap the four pillars. Number one, awareness. Number two, patience. Number three, confidence and trust. And number four, forgiveness. Beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. So I hope that's helpful. Let us know. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Barb Knows Best, the podcast. We are so grateful for all of you and it makes... It makes this whole thing so much fun having such a lovely, supportive community of listeners week in and week out. If you haven't yet, make sure you are staying connected with us on social media at Barb Knows Best Pod, at Michelle Maros, and at Peaceful Barb. That's the best way to write in questions, comments, concerns, and podcast topics that you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. And if you haven't yet, make sure you are liked and subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can stay up to date with every new episode and all of the fun things regarding Barb Knows Best. Additionally, if you haven't yet, please make sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That is, if you think we deserve a five-star rating, which hopefully you do, and write us a nice little review because that helps us immensely and we would be so grateful. Thank you so much again for listening. Thank you, Mother, for knowing best. Here's to self-compassion, because as we know, Barb knows best.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.